Section 11 of Great Pirate Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Great Pirate Stories by Various, edited by Joseph Lewis French. Section 11. A True Account of Three Notorious Pirates, Howard Pyle, Editor Captain Bartholomew Roberts and His Crew Bartholomew Roberts sailed in an honest employ from London, aboard of the Princess, Captain Plum, Commander, of which ship he was second mate. He left England November 1719, and arrived at Guinea about February following, and being at Anamabo, taking in slaves for the West Indies, was taken in the said ship by Captain Howell Davis. In the beginning he was very averse to this sort of life, and would certainly have escaped from them had a fair opportunity presented itself. Yet afterwards he changed his principles, as many besides him have done upon another element, and perhaps for the same reason too, viz. preferment. And what he did not like as a private man, he could reconcile to his conscience as a commander. Davis having been killed in the island of Princes, whilst planning to capture it with all its inhabitants, the company found themselves under the necessity of filling up his post, for which there appeared two or three candidates among the select part of them that were distinguished by the title of Lords. Such were Simpson, Ashplant, Anstis, and such and on canvassing this matter, how shattered and weak condition their government must be without a head, since Davis had been removed in the manner before mentioned, my Lord Dennis proposed, it is said over a bowl, to this purpose, that it was not of any great signification who was dignified with title, for really, and in good truth, all good governments had, like theirs, the supreme power lodged with the community, who might doubtless depute and revoke as suited interest or humour. We are the original of this claim, says he, and should a captain be so saucy as to exceed prescription at any time, why, down with him! It will be a caution after he is dead to his successors of what fatal consequence any sort of assuming may be. However, it is my advice that, while we are sober, we pitch upon a man of courage and skilled in navigation, one who by his counsel and bravery seems best able to defend this commonwealth and ward us from the dangers and tempests of an unstable element and the fatal consequences of anarchy, and such a one I take Roberts to be, a fellow, I think, in all respects worthy of your esteem and favour. This speech was loudly applauded by all but Lord Simpson, who had secret expectations himself. But on this disappointment grew sullen and left them swearing, he did not care who they chose captain, so it was not a papist, for against them he had conceived an irreconcilable hatred, for that his father had been a sufferer in Monmouth's rebellion. Roberts was accordingly elected, though he had not been above six weeks among them. His choice was confirmed by both lords and commoners, and he accepted of the honour, saying that, since he had dipped his hands in muddy water and must be a pirate, it was better being a commander than a common man. As soon as the government was settled, by promoting other officers in the room of those that were killed by the Portuguese, 
The company resolved to avenge Captain Davis's death, he being more than ordinarily respected by the crew for his affability and good nature, as well as his conduct and bravery upon all occasions, and, pursuant to this resolution, about thirty men were landed in order to make an attack upon the fort, which must be ascended to by a steep hill against the mouth of the cannon. These men were headed by one Kennedy, a bold, daring fellow, but very wicked and profligate. They marched directly up under the fire of their ship-guns, and, as soon as they were discovered, the Portuguese quitted their post and fled to the town, and the pirates marched in without opposition, set fire to the fort, and threw all the guns off the hill into the sea. But this was not looked upon as a sufficient satisfaction for the injury they received, therefore most of the company were for burning the town which Robert said he would yield to if any means could be proposed of doing it without their own destruction, for the town had a securer situation than the fort, a thick wood coming almost close to it, affording cover to the defendants who, under such an advantage, he told them, it was to be feared, would fire and stand better to their arms, beside that bare houses would be but a slender reward for their trouble and loss. This prudent advice prevailed. However, they mounted the French ship they seized at this place with twelve guns, and lightened her, in order to come up to the town, the water being shoal, and battered down several houses, after which they returned on board, gave back the French ship to those that had the most right to her, and sailed out of the harbour by the light of two Portuguese ships, which they were pleased to set on fire there. Robert stood away to the southward, and met with a Dutch guineaman, which he made prize of, but, after having plundered her, the skipper had his ship again. Two days after he took an English ship called the Experiment, Captain Cornet, at Cape Lopez. The men went all into the pirate service, and having no occasion for the ship, they burned her, and then steered for St. Tomé, but meeting with nothing in their way, they sailed for Annabona, and there watered, took in provisions, and put it to a vote of the company whether their next voyage should be to the East Indies or to Brazil. The latter being resolved on, they sailed accordingly, and in twenty-eight days arrived at Ferdinando, an uninhabited island on that coast. Here they watered, boot-topped their ship, and made ready for the designed cruise. Upon this coast our rovers cruised for about nine weeks, keeping generally out of sight of land, but without seeing a sail which discouraged them so that they determined to leave the station and steer for the West Indies, and, in order thereto, stood in to make the land for the taking of their departure, and thereby they fell in unexpectedly with a fleet of forty-two sail of Portuguese ships off the Bay of Los Todos Santos, with all their lading in, for Lisbon, several of them of good force, who lay too waiting for two men-of-war of seventy guns each, their convoy. However, Roberts thought it should go hard with him, but he would make up his market among them, and thereupon mixed with the fleet, and kept his men hid till proper resolutions could be formed. That done, they came close up to one of the deepest, and ordered her to send the master on board quietly, threatening to give them no quarter if any resistance or signal of distress was made. The Portuguese, being surprised at these threats, and the sudden flourish of cutlasses from the pirates, submitted without a word, and the captain came on board. 
Robert saluted him in a friendly manner, telling him that they were gentlemen of fortune, but that their business with him was only to be informed which was the richest ship in the fleet, and if he directed them right, he should be restored to his ship without molestation. Otherwise he must expect immediate death. Whereupon this Portuguese master pointed to one of the forty guns and a hundred and fifty men, a ship of greater force than the rover, but this in no ways dismayed them. They were Portuguese, they said, and so immediately steered away from him. When they came within hail, the master whom they had prisoner was ordered to ask how Signor Captain did, and to invite him on board, for that he had a matter of consequence to impart to him, which, being done, he returned for answer that he would wait upon him presently. But by the bustle that immediately followed, the pirates perceived that they were discovered, and that this was only a deceitful answer to gain time to put their ship in a posture of defence. So, without delay, they poured in a broadside, boarded, and grappled her. The dispute was short and warm, wherein many of the Portuguese fell, and two only of the pirates. By this time the fleet was alarmed. Signals of topgallant sheets flying, and guns fired to give notice to the men-of-war, who rid still at an anchor, and made but scurvy haste out to their assistance. And if what the pirates themselves related to be true, the commanders of these ships were blamable to the highest degree, and unworthy of the title, or so much as the name, of men. For Roberts, finding the prize to sail heavy, and yet resolving not to lose her, lay by for the headmost of them, which much outsailed the other, and prepared for battle, which was ignominiously declined, though of such superior force. For, not daring to venture on the pirate alone, he tarried so long for his consort, as gave them both time leisurely to make off. They found this ship exceedingly rich, being laden chiefly with sugar, skins, and tobacco, and in gold forty thousand moidores, beside chains and trinkets of considerable value, particularly a cross set with diamonds designed for the king of Portugal, which they afterwards presented to the governor of Kayana, by whom they were obliged. Elated with this booty, they had nothing now to think of but some safe retreat, where they might give themselves up to all the pleasures luxury and wantonness might bestow. And for the present, pitched upon a place called the Devil's Islands, in the river of Surinam, on the coast of Kayana, where they arrived and found the civilest reception imaginable, not only from the governor and factory, but their wives, who exchanged wares, and drove a considerable trade with them. They seized in this river a sloop, and by her gained intelligence that a brigantine had also sailed in company with her from Rhode Island, laid with provisions for the coast, a welcome cargo. They growing short in the sea-store, and, as Sancho says, no adventures to be made without belly-timber. One evening, as they were rummaging their mine of treasure, the Portuguese prize, this expected vessel was descried at the masthead, and Roberts, imagining nobody could do the business so well as himself, takes forty men in the sloop, and goes in pursuit of her. But a fatal accident followed this rash, though inconsiderable adventure, for Roberts, thinking of nothing less than bringing in the brigantine that afternoon, never troubled his head about the sloop's provision, nor inquired what there was on board to subsist such a number of men. But out he sails after the expected prize, 
which he not only lost further sight of, but after eight days contending with contrary winds and currents, found themselves thirty leagues to leeward. The current still opposing their endeavours, and perceiving no hopes of beating up to their ship, they came to an anchor, and inconsiderately sent away the boat to give the rest of the company notice of their condition, and to order the ship to them. But too soon, even the next day, their wants made them sensible of their infatuation, for their water was all expended, and they had taken no thought how they should be supplied till either their ship came or the boat returned, which was not likely to be under five or six days. Here, like Tantalus, they almost famished in sight of the fresh streams and lakes, being drove to such extremity that at last they were forced to tear up the floor of the cabin, and patch up a sort of tub or tray with rope-yarns to paddle ashore, and fetch off immediate supplies of water to preserve life. After some days the long-wished-for boat came back, but with the most unwelcome news in the world. For Kennedy, who was lieutenant, and left, in absence of Roberts, to command the privateer and prize, was gone off with both. This was mortification with a vengeance, and you may imagine that they did not depart without some hard speeches from those that were left, and had suffered by their treachery. And that there need be no further mention of this Kennedy, I shall leave Captain Roberts to vent his wrath in a few oaths and execrations, and follow the other, whom we may reckon from that time as steering his course toward execution dock. Kennedy was now chosen captain of the revolted crew, but could not bring his company to any determined resolution. Some were for pursuing the old game, but the greater part of them seemed to have inclinations to turn from those evil courses and get home privately, for there was no act of pardon in force. Therefore they agreed to break up and every man to shift for himself, as he should see occasion. The first thing they did was to part with the great Portuguese prize, and having the master of the sloop, whose name, I think, was Cain, aboard, whom, they said, was a very honest fellow, for he had humoured them upon every occasion, told them of the brigantine that Roberts went after, and when the pirates first took him, he complimented them at any odd rate, telling them that they were welcome to his sloop and cargo, and wished that the vessel had been larger and the loading richer for their sakes. To this good-natured man they gave the Portuguese ship, which was then above half-loaded, three or four negroes, and all his own men, who returned thanks to his kind benefactors, and departed. Captain Kennedy in the rover sailed to Barbados, near which island they took a very peaceable ship belonging to Virginia. The commander was a Quaker, whose name was Knott. He had neither pistol, sword, nor cutlass on board, and Mr. Knott appearing so passive to all they said to him, some of them thought this was a good opportunity to go off, and accordingly Eight of the pirates went aboard, and he carried them safe to Virginia. They made the Quaker a present of ten chests of sugar, ten rolls of Brazil tobacco, thirty moidores, and some gold dust, in all to the value of about two hundred and fifty pounds. They also made presents to the sailors, some more, some less, and lived a jovial life all the while they were upon their voyage, Captain not giving them their way, nor, indeed, could he help himself, unless he had taken an opportunity to surprise them when they were either drunk or asleep, for awake they wore arms upon the ship, and put him in a continual terror, it not being his principle, or the sects, to fight, unless with art and collusion. He managed these weapons well, 
till he arrived at the capes, and afterwards four of these pirates went off in a boat, which they had taken with them for more easily making their escapes, and made up the bay towards Maryland, but were forced back by a storm into an obscure place of the country where, meeting with good entertainment among the planters, they continued several days without being discovered to be pirates. In the meantime, Captain Knott, leaving four others aboard his ship who intended to go to North Carolina, made what haste he could to discover to Mr. Spotswood, the governor, what sort of passengers he had been forced to bring with him, who by good fortune got them seized, and search being made after the others, who were revelling about the country, they were also taken, and all tried, convicted, and hanged. Two Portuguese Jews who were taken on the coast of Brazil, and whom they had brought with them to Virginia, being the principal evidences. The latter had found means to lodge part of their wealth with the planters, who never brought it to account. But Captain Knott surrendered up everything that belonged to them that were taken aboard, even what they presented to him, in lieu of such things as they had plundered him of in their passage, and obliged his men to do the like. Some days after the taking of the Virginiamen last mentioned, in cruising at the latitude of Jamaica, Kennedy took a sloop bound thither from Boston, loaded with bread and flour. Aboard of this sloop went all the hands who were for breaking the gang, and left those behind that had a mind to pursue further adventures. Among the former was Kennedy their captain, of whose honour they had such a despicable notion that they were about to throw him overboard when they found him in the sloop, as fearing he might betray them all at their return to England. He having, in his childhood, been bred a pickpocket, and, before he became a pirate, a housebreaker, both professions that these gentlemen have a very mean opinion of. However, Captain Kennedy, by taking solemn oaths of fidelity to his companions, was suffered to proceed with them. In this company there was but one that pretended any skill in navigation, for Kennedy could neither read nor write, he being preferred to the command merely for his courage, which indeed he had often signalised, particularly in taking the Portuguese ship and he proved to be a pretender only, for, shaping their course to Ireland, where they agreed to land, they ran away to the northwest coast of Scotland, and there were tossed about by hard storms of wind for several days without knowing where they were, and in great danger of perishing. At length they pushed the vessel into a little creek, and went all ashore, leaving the sloop at anchor for the next comers. The whole company refreshed themselves at a little village about five miles from the place where they had left the sloop and passed there for shipwrecked sailors, and no doubt might have travelled on without suspicion, but the mad and riotous manner of their living on the road occasioned their journey to be cut short, as we shall observe presently. Kennedy and another left them here, and travelling to one of the seaports shipped themselves for Ireland, and arrived there in safety. Six or seven wisely withdrew from the rest, travelled at their leisure, and got to their much-desired port of London without being disturbed or suspected but the main gang alarmed the country wherever they came, drinking and roaming at such a rate that people shut themselves up in their houses, in some places not daring to venture out against so many mad fellows. In other villages they treated the whole town, squandering their money as if, like Aesop, they wanted to lighten their burthens. This expensive manner of living procured two of their drunken stragglers to be knocked on the head, they being found murdered in the road and their money taken from them. All the rest, to the number of seventeen, as they drew nigh to Edinburgh, 
were arrested and thrown into jail upon suspicion of they knew not what however the magistrates were not long at a loss for proper accusations for two of the gang offering themselves for evidences were accepted of and the others were brought to a speedy trial whereof nine were convicted and executed kennedy having spent all his money came over from ireland and kept a public-house on deptford road and now and then it was thought made an excursion abroad in the way of his former profession till one of his household gave information against him for a robbery for which he was committed to bridewell but because she would not do the business by halves she found out a mate of a ship that kennedy had committed piracy upon as he foolishly confessed to her this mate whose name was grant paid kennedy a visit in bridewell and knowing him to be the man procured a warrant and had him committed to the marshalsea prison the game that kennedy had now to play was to turn evidence himself accordingly he gave a list of eight or ten of his comrades but not being acquainted with their habitations only one was taken who though condemned appeared to be a man of fair character was forced into their service and took the first opportunity to get from them and therefore received a pardon but walter kennedy being a notorious offender was executed july nineteenth seventeen twenty one at execution dock the rest of the pirates who were left in the ship rover stayed not long behind for they went ashore to one of the west india islands what became of them afterwards i cannot tell for their ship was found at sea by a sloop belonging to st christopher's and carried into that island with only nine negroes aboard thus we see what a disastrous fate ever attends the wicked and how rarely they escape the punishment due to their crimes who abandoned to such a profligate life rob spoil and prey upon mankind contrary to the light and law of nature as well as the law of god it might have been hoped that the examples of these deaths would have been as marks to the remainder of the gang how to shun the rocks their companions had split on that they would have surrendered to mercy or divided themselves for ever from such pursuits as in the end they might be sure would subject them to the same law and punishment which they must be conscious they now equally deserved impending law which never let them sleep well unless drunk but all the use that was made of it here was to commend the justice of the court that had condemned kennedy for he was a sad dog they said and deserved the fate he met with but to go back to roberts who we left on the coast of kayana in a grievous passion at what kennedy and the crew had done and who was now projecting new adventures with his small company in the sloop but finding hitherto that they had been but as a rope of sand they formed a set of articles to be signed and sworn to for the better conservation of their society and doing justice to one another excluding all irishmen of the benefit of it to whom they had an implacable aversion upon the account of kennedy how indeed roberts could think an oath would be obligatory where defiance had been given to the laws of god and man i cannot tell but he thought their greatest security lay in this that it was every one's interest to observe them if they minded to keep up so abominable a combination the following is the substance of the articles as taken from the pirates own informations one every man has a vote in affairs of moment has equal title to the fresh provisions or strong liquors at any time seized and may use them at pleasure unless a scarcity no uncommon thing among them 
make it necessary for the good of all to vote a retrenchment. 2. Every man to be called fairly, in turn, by list, on board of prizes, because, over and above their proper share, they were, on these occasions, allowed a shift of clothes. But if they defrauded the company to the value of a dollar, in plate, jewels, or money, marooning was their punishment. This was a barbarous custom of putting the offender on shore, on some desolate or uninhabited cape or island, with a gun, a few shot, a bottle of water, a bottle of powder, to subsist or starve. If the robbery was only between one another, they contented themselves with slitting the ears and nose of him that was guilty, and set him on shore, not in an uninhabited place, but somewhere where he was sure to encounter hardships. 3. No person to game at cards or dice for money. 4. The lights and candles to be put out at eight o'clock at night. If any of the crew after that hour still remained inclined to drinking, they were to do it on the open deck, which, Roberts believed, would give a check to their debauches, for he was a sober man himself, but found at length that all his endeavours to put an end to this debauch proved ineffectual. 5. To keep their piece, pistols and cutlass clean and fit for service. In this they were extravagantly nice, endeavouring to outdo one another in the beauty and richness of their arms, giving sometimes at an auction, at the mast, thirty or forty pounds a pair for pistols. They were slung in time of service with different coloured ribbons over their shoulders, in a way peculiar to these fellows, in which they took great delight. 6. No boy or woman to be allowed amongst them. If any man were found to be seducing any of the latter sex, and carried her to sea disguised, he was to suffer death. So that when any fell into their hands, as chanced in the Onslow, they put a sentinel immediately over her to prevent ill consequences from so dangerous an instrument of division and quarrel. But then, here lies the roguery, they contend who shall be the sentinel, which happens generally to be one of the greatest bullies. 7. To desert the ship or their quarters in battle was punished with death or marooning. 8. No striking one another on board, but every man's quarrel to be ended on shore at sword and pistol. Thus the quartermaster of the ship, when the parties will not come to any reconciliation, accompanies them on shore with what assistance he thinks proper, and turns the disputants back to back at so many paces distance. At the word of command, they turn and fire immediately, or else the piece is knocked out of their hands. If both miss, they come at their cutlasses, and then he is declared victor who draws the first blood. 9. No man to talk of breaking up their way of living till each had shared a thousand pounds. If, in order to this, any man should lose a limb or become a cripple in their service, he was to have eight hundred dollars out of the public stock, and for lesser hurts, proportionably. 10. The captain and quartermaster to receive two shares of a prize, the master, boatswain and gunner, one share and a half, the other officers, one and a quarter. 11. The musicians to have rest on the Sabbath day, but the other six days and nights, none without special favour.
These, we are assured, were some of Robert's articles, but as they had taken care to throw overboard the original they had signed and sworn to, there is a great deal of room to suspect the latter contained something too horrid to be disclosed to any, except such as were willing to be sharers in the iniquity of them. Let them be what they will, they were together the test of all newcomers, who were initiated by an oath taken on a Bible, reserved for that purpose only, and were subscribed in presence of the worshipful Mr. Roberts. And in case any doubt should arise concerning the construction of these laws, and it should remain a dispute whether the party had infringed them or no, a jury was appointed to explain them, and to bring a verdict upon the case in doubt. Since we are now speaking of the laws of this company, I shall go on, and, in as brief a manner as I can, relate the principal customs and government of this roguish commonwealth, which are pretty near the same with all pirates. For the punishment of small offences which are not provided for by the articles, and which are not of consequence enough to be left to a jury, there is a principal officer among the pirates, called the quartermaster, of the men's own choosing, who claims all authority this way, excepting in time of battle. If they disobey his command, are quarrelsome and mutinous with one another, misuse prisoners, plunder beyond his order, and in particular, if they be negligent of their arms, which he musters at discretion, he punishes at his own arbitrament, with drubbing or whipping, which no one else dare do without incurring the lash from all the ship's company. In short, this officer is trustee for the whole, is the first person on board any prize, separating for the company's use what he pleases, and returning what he thinks fit to the owners, excepting gold and silver, which they have voted not returnable. After a description of the quartermaster and his duty, who acts as a sort of civil magistrate on board a pirate ship, I shall consider their military officer, the captain, what privileges he exerts in such anarchy and unruliness of the members. Why, truly very little. They only permit him to be captain on condition that they may be captain over him. They separate to his use the great cabin, and sometimes vote him small parcels of plate and china, for it may be noted that Roberts drank his tea constantly. But then every man, as the humour takes him, will use the plate and china, intrude into his apartment, swear at him, seize a part of his victuals and drink, if they like it, without his offering to find fault or contest it. Yet Roberts, by a better management than usual, became the chief director of everything of moment, and it happened thus. The rank of captain being obtained by the suffrage of the majority, it falls on one superior for knowledge and boldness, pistol-proof, as they call it, who can make those fear who do not love him. Roberts is said to have exceeded his fellows in these respects, and when advanced, enlarged the respect that followed it by making a sort of privy council of half a dozen of the greatest bullies, such as were his competitors, and had interest enough to make his government easy. Yet even those, in the latter part of his reign, he had run counter to in every project that opposed his own opinion, for which, and because he grew reserved and would not drink and roar at their rate, a cabal was formed to take away his captainship, which death did more effectually. The captain's power is uncontrollable in chase or in battle, drubbing, cutting, or even shooting any one who dares deny his command. The same privilege he takes over prisoners, 
who receive good or ill usage mostly as he approves of their behaviour for though the meanest would take upon them to misuse a master of a ship yet he would control herein when he sees it and merrily over a bottle give his prisoners this double reason for it first that it preserved his precedence and second that it took the punishment out of the hands of a much more rash and mad set of fellows than himself when he found that rigour was not expected from his people for he often practised it to appease them then he would give strangers to understand that it was pure inclination that inducted him to a good treatment of them and not any love or partiality to their persons for says he there is none of you but will hang me i know whenever you can clinch me within your power and now seeing the disadvantages they were under for pursuing their plans viz a small vessel ill-repaired and without provisions or stores they resolved one and all with the little supplies they could get to proceed for the west indies not doubting to find a remedy for all these evils and to retrieve their loss in the latitude of desiado one of the islands they took two sloops which supplied them with provisions and other necessaries and a few days afterwards took a brigantine belonging to rhode island and there proceeded to barbados off of which island they fell in with a bristol ship of ten guns in her voyage out from whom they took an abundance of clothes some money twenty-five bales of goods five bales of powder a cable hawser ten casks of oatmeal six casks of beef and several other goods besides five of their men and after they had detained her three days let her go who being bound for the aforesaid island she acquainted the governor with what had happened as soon as she arrived whereupon a bristol galley that lay in the harbour was ordered to be fitted out with all imaginable expedition of twenty guns and eighty men there being no man of war upon that station and also a sloop with ten guns and forty men the galley was commanded by one captain rogers of bristol and the sloop by captain graves of that island and captain rogers by a commission from the governor was appointed commodore the second day after rogers sailed out of the harbour he was discovered by roberts who knowing nothing of their design gave them chase the barbados ships kept an easy sail till the pirates came up with them and then roberts gave them a gun expecting they would have immediately struck to his piratical flag but instead thereof he was forced to receive the fire of a broadside with three huzzas at the same time so that an engagement ensued but roberts being hardly put to it was obliged to crowd all the sail the sloop could bear to get off the galley sailing pretty well kept company for a long while keeping a constant fire which galled the pirate however at length by throwing over their guns and other heavy goods and thereby lightening the vessel they with much ado got clear but roberts could never endure a barbados man afterwards and when any ships belonging to that island fell in his way he was more particularly severe to them than others captain roberts sailed in the sloop to the island of dominico where he watered and got provisions of the inhabitants to whom he gave goods in exchange at this place he met with thirteen englishmen who had been set ashore by a french guard de la coste belonging to martinico taken out of two new england ships that had been seized as prizes by the said french sloop the men willingly entered with the pirates and it proved a seasonable recruiting they stayed not long here though they had immediate occasion for cleaning their sloop but did not think this a proper place and 
therein they judged right for the touching at this island had like to have been their destruction because they having resolved to go away to the granada islands for the aforesaid purpose by some accident it came to be known to the french colony who sending word to the governor of martinico he equipped and manned two sloops to go in quest for them the pirates sailed directly from the granadillos and hauled into a lagoon at Corioku, where they cleaned with unusual dispatch staying but a little above a week by which expedition they missed of the martinico sloops only a few hours roberts sailing overnight and the french arriving the next morning this was a fortunate escape especially considering that it was not from any fears of their being discovered that they made so much haste from the island but as they had the impudence themselves to own for the want of wine and women thus narrowly escaped they sailed for newfoundland and arrived upon the banks the latter end of june seventeen twenty they entered the harbour of Trapassi, with their black colours flying, drums beating, and trumpets sounding. There were two and twenty vessels in the harbour, which the men all quitted at the sight of the pirate, and fled ashore. It is impossible particularly to recount the destruction and havoc they made there, burning and sinking all the shipping except a Bristol galley, and destroying the fisheries and stages of the poor planters without remorse or compunction for nothing is so deplorable as power in mean and ignorant hands it makes men wanton and giddy unconcerned at the misfortunes they are imposing on their fellow-creatures and keeps them smiling at the mischiefs that bring themselves no advantage they are like madmen that cast firebrands arrows and death and say are not we in sport end of section eleven Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.